0: I saw Raul come up here and put one foot on that and just step up. I said, I used to be able to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm 72 and three quarters now. And uh, I'll be 73 in January. But What a blessing to be here with you guys. And I just, in my mind, because I hadn't heard from Raul, and I kept saying oh, I'm gonna call this week, week, and I just said, "Well, I'll call just make sure." And so I praise the Lord, I did. But <laughs> well, I showed up here and administered. Anyway. Well, this is what's really amazing. Thank you, sir. Modesto had no idea what I was going to be talking about. <laughs> Raul had no idea what I was going to be talking about, and the young man leading the worship, had absolutely no idea. He probably didn't even know I was coming. Where is he now? Where you go? There you are right there. Powerful worship. But isn't that amazing how God orchestrates things? Because what Modesto said is that we have absolutely nothing to bring to the table. We have nothing of ourselves to offer. To Oh, I deserve this and I deserve that. It's nothing. What brother Ryle said is exactly the same as well. The worship. And so this morning, I cannot I could not believe when you were saying about bring everything to the table. That's what we're going to be talking about, is real life. And we're going to start from a little bit different perspective. And I found out y'all are in the English Standard Version, so I'm going to hold on, let me get my little thing here. I'm going to read this from the ESV. We're going to be in Romans 8 28 through 30. And this is all about real life, all about real life. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those, whom he also, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, what I'm going to do this morning is, is give a little amplification of that translation. Okay? So I want all of you to get your Bibles open there. And as I do this, now my Baptist roots are much deeper than my Calvary Chapel. I've been in Calvary Chapel for 40 years, but I grew up southern baptist came to christ my freshman year you see today is the, the oh my gosh 54 years 31 and and 33 days ago i came to jesus christ october the 1st 1965 anybody here from the southeast besides me and my wife nobody anybody in the college football nobody okay all right right here USC, man, UCLA, what? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Did y'all win? I know, I heard about the, the, it was back and forth. Did y'all win yesterday or not? Oh yes. Well, very good, excellent. Well, I'm a Mississippi State Bulldog, and we beat Arkansas 54 to 25. It was kind of a one-sided game, but it was great to see that victory. But far more important than that. And this is what this is all about. December of 1964, a young lady at my high school, Murrow High School in Jackson, Mississippi. Back then they had Bible clubs, praise the Lord. And they all picked out one person to pray for for an entire year every day that that person would come to Christ. And in the South back then, I don't know if it's, it's probably still a lot that way, but I'm sure it's changed quite a bit. Back then everybody went to church, everybody, all my buddies, We'd go to church on Sunday. Then be out drinking, running around, doing all kinds of stuff, you know, weekend, stuff like that. But church was a part of the culture. So it was getting up and breathing, going to school. And yet there were kids there that knew had a saving relationship with Jesus, and they knew those that were and those that weren't. And so this young lady, part of this Bible club, picked me out. That was God's sovereign choice. We're going to read about that. She started praying for me January the 1st, 1965, every day. And I tell people this all the time. Had she looked at me to judge the effectiveness of her prayer, she would have quit. I'm just She would have quit, and the reason she would have quit is because I started coming under conviction probably about March. And as I did, I started running as hard as I could from God really hard. <laughs> so that summer, getting ready for two a day, getting ready to go to Mississippi State as a freshman. Back then, freshmen couldn't play varsity. So they used us as dummies to run the opposing team's plays. So I get to state, and I was this big all-state football player, and I thought I was Tommy Tough, you know. So we're getting ready to play Auburn. And they were running, they had this reverse action type of a play, And so my job was, we were representing Auburn's offense, was to hit that uh, defensive tackle then go lay out the linebacker because it was going this way. It was going to come back, and I was just going to lay him out, and I was going to show the boy this. Justin is really something great. I hit that tackle. I go to hit that linebacker. He realized, and he lowered, and he hit me with his form. That was the up until that point. After that, I was hit harder, but up until that point, the hardest I'd ever been hit in my life. And I was on the ground. I saw stars. I said, what in the world happened? He got me, he picked his hand down there, picked me up, and he said, welcome to the Southeastern Conference. That's what he said. (laughs) But the other linebacker came over. I didn't know him from Adam's house, Cat, but they knew me. He said, Justin, I just want to let you know that Jesus loves you, and so do I. So I started watching his life, and I started watching a couple of these other guys. I said, everybody else was out there cussing. It's two a days. I mean, anybody here living in the South any length of time? Nobody. Golly. Okay. You know, when it's hot down there, we have humidity. You don't have it out here. And so anyway, so these guys, these other players, they all of them were cussing, the grass, the dummies, the sun, the heat, everything. But these guys weren't. And yet they were some of the toughest players out there, and I watched that. And they picked guys up and said, well, gee, to make a long story short, the guy that said Jesus loves me, and so did he. I went to a service, heard a man give his testimony. Nobody said anything to me directly, but it was the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to turn in your Bibles, because what the message this morning is being conformed to the image of Jesus. But here's what I want us to look at, first of all. It's not by tricks and gimmicks. Now, I'm going to tell you what. You're, you'd be thankful for the young man here that you have as your pastor. Because all of these outreaches, Brother Ryle, can you ever make anybody get saved? No. Neither can I or anyone, uh, any other human being. Let's turn to John 640 real quick. Okay. Now what I like doing I'm not going to turn in my little thing here to ESV because I know that's what y'all do, but I'm going to have y'all read here. I'm looking at another little thing here. So who wants to read John six Who'd like to read this? Stand up. Go for it, sir. Stand up and do it, please. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. Hallelujah. What that says is tricks and gimmicks. But see, if you have outreaches, Paul says, I become all things to all people. Like having all the little things you're going to be having here, inviting people. Little Charlie, oh, I love that. My little baby girls would love to come to that. Maybe, maybe we will. I don't know. We'll see. But see, those are means by which you're reaching out to people for God, not you, to draw people to a saving faith in Jesus. Is that incredible or what? So, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you. This young man's talking about prayer, talking about the word. That's the bottom line. We are corrupt to the core. We're going to read that here in just a minute, to the very core of our being. As Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verse 18, he says, There's nothing good in us. No, nothing. Not one good thing in my flesh. Nothing. It's all about Jesus Christ from beginning to middle to end. Now, that being the case, let's look over here in John's Gospel, chapter 16, verses 8 through 11. Powerful passage here. Now, again, when Jesus says no man can come, that is, as human beings, we don't even have the desire to come to God. We have, you know what our desire is? Our desire is to make ourselves God. That's from the fall. Satan told him, hey, you, think you'd be like God. So, this self deification. I am my own God. I can make my own way. Every other religious and philosophical belief system in the world is focused on you becoming your own God, or you becoming like God, or you, because of your works, earning your way, all that. It's aligned to the core of our being. Now, here in John 6, uh, 16, beginning in verse 8. Who'd like to stand up and read that verse 8? Anybody? Oh, good. It's back there at the back of the ESV. So I'm going to read it according to the ESV here. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. There you go. Concerning s- Who's doing that back there? Very good, young man. Praise the Lord. You're ahead of the game here. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Next. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Next, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Wow. Boom, boom, boom. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of our sin. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't see that you're a sinner, you will never come to Jesus Christ. You will think you can make it on your own. You think you become your own God. We see that in Islam. We see that in Buddhism and all these other isms, we even see it in Mormonism, see it in Jehovah's Witnesses. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts us of our sin, number one. Secondly, he's the one who convicts and convinces us that through Jesus alone is our salvation. And thirdly, he convicts us that sin, that, that hell is waiting us. That's the power of God as He's joy, even dragging, if you will. That's right, he was dragging me. To that place of coming. Now, having said that, I want us to turn over here to Romans chapter 10. Okay? As I told you all, I'm Southern Baptist. We start in Genesis and go through Revelation. I'm joking. We're not going to really do that. But we're going to look through a lot of stuff here. Let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 8. Powerful, powerful passage here. I love that. That is really good. I can just read this. So here we go. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Now notice in your ESV you have parentheses around that is the word of faith. And that's that's an important thing. You you say, why is that important? Because he's explaining now what he just said. But here's something else about that. You might want to write this down. In the New Testament Greek, there are two words for word. One is logos, L-O-G-O-S. That's the one that's used in John 1.1. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with God, and the logos was God. That means the eternal word, eternal truth of God that's always been, all right? Then there's the other word, rhema. You really said Prima, but that gets hard for us to say. We just say rhema. And what that basically is, is the logos becoming a living reality in your life and my life. And the worship that we sing today, that is what that's about. What Brother Modesto was sharing from Isaiah, oh, my land's alive. And what your dear pastor was sharing. That's God's word becoming real in your heart and my heart. Now, let me just tell you this. That is a painful process because the first aspect of it is convicting us of our sin. I went to hear this gentleman give his testimony, as I said, on Friday night. I was so convicted I went back and had a game the next day, so all the varsity players had to be in bed by 10. It was after that I went and knocked on the door of my young man that said Jesus loved me, and so did he. He got his Bible out well. And he shared with me the Roman road. I'm not going to have time, Brother Brother Ryle can share that with you, the Roman road. And at the end of that, we come to verse 13 here. He read all this. I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And he did. That was October the 1st, 1965, probably around 1030, quarter to 11 p.m. Because I wrote all that down. I remembered it. Now, what does the word say? Hallelujah. Near your mouth is the word. That's kind of the way it's worded here. Okay. Near, we say, uh, as it say?" the word is near you in your mouth. Literally, near you, it's emphasis. Near you, the word is. In your mouth and in your heart. What in the world does that mean? Now, I'm not a good cook. My wife is the quintessential southern cook. How many of y'all ever had red beans, rice, and sausage? Anybody ever had that? Oh, my land, sure. She fixes it so good, literally make your tongue slap your brain. <laughs> i just as soon eat her red beans, rice, and sausage as I would steak. Now, one thing I can cook, I don't do it very, I haven't done it a long time, but little steaks. That's why I go to the store and get some little ribeye, a little 10-ounce ribeye, eight ounce, whatever they are. Now that guy bought them in the store, he didn't make that steak. He bought it from a guy who had raised cattle. The guy didn't make the cattle come alive. The cattle did that themselves. They fed. He butchered them, sent them, sold them to the store. The store sells me the meat. I go put the meat on the grill, cook it, put it on your plate. But I don't stop there. I get a knife and a fork. And I cut a piece of meat off. And I put it in your mouth and I pull the fork out. I have done Everything for you, for you to enjoy that piece of meat, but there's one thing I absolutely cannot do. What is that? Chew it. That is your choice. Either to let that meat be swallowed, chew it up, swallow it, become a part of your body, or either spit it out. Isn't that amazing? And that's what it's saying here. God puts within us as he's drawing us to Jesus he even puts the word in our mouth and our heart that's what we when you feel convicted ooh but then we come to verse 9 we'll pick the, yeah here we go because if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord That is huge. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me emphasize this. That word confess. That means it's talking about a point in time, boom, where you do that. Well, I just kind of grew up and I kind of... No, there's a point in time. You may not remember the exact date as I do, but I did because I went down and wrote it down. But there's a point in time, a second... Where you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you don't just kind of move. Well, I'm partly believer, not part. No, no. You're either saved or you're not. <laughs> you either believed or you're not. Okay. You confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and boom, believe in your heart that God raised Him out of the dead. From the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that? And that word "will be saved" means boom, it's done. Verse 10 is huge. For with the heart, and I'd rather, I'd rather put the translation here, for in the heart. It's not talking about our organ, it's talking about your mind here. Okay, It is with my mind, I believe, but it's in my mind. It's the work the Holy Spirit's done. For in the heart, in the mind, look at this, one believes. Now, what's important about that? I'm gonna kind of give you an amplified translation. For in the heart, one continually believes. Wow. Now, I got saved October the first, nineteen sixty five. I have sinned and failed God in so many ways. How many of y'all have ever done that? Anybody here sinned and failed God since you believe? But that relationship has never been abrogated, never been stopped, never been ceased at all. It's always been there because it was the real thing. So with the heart, one believes, continually believes, and look at this, unto justification. This is and is justified. Literally, for by means or in the heart, one continually believes with the result being you're justified from the moment you first confess and believe, boom, you're justified. Because you're such a great wonderful person, you've done such wonderful works, not in the least. But because of what God did through Jesus. All right? And with the mouth one continually confesses unto salvation. Isn't that amazing? So once you're truly born again, you're going to let other people know about it. That's reality. Now, let me just say this. You know, I, what I do, I I, uh, I teach down at Azusa at their seminary down there and do other little things like that. But I, in the world, I work out at a gym. I do, I go shooting. I like to shoot. I'm a. You know, people out here say, First first I remember, I'll forget it, one time my wife and I came out here and we were speaking at a church up in somewhere in Los Angeles. I don't remember where it was. I was giving an example uh, about, you know, going after a rabbit on a rabbit trail. Any of you ever use that example? He's on a rabbit trail. You know where that comes from? Training bird dogs. Those bird dogs, this rabbit scent is incredibly strong. And they go after, and I use that's how Satan does it. And I said, it's supposed to, the dog's supposed to stop point the birds, and you flush them and shoot them. This lady came up to me. She said, well, thank you for your message, but I don't think any of our men hunt, let alone even own a gun. She said that to me. I was like "Say, I don't go to the bathroom in the morning. I'm saying, what? <laughs> I, started, I started shooting when I was six years old in Mississippi. Anyway, but here's the point. When we come to a saving faith in Jesus, it is an instantaneous thing. Now, let's go to verse 11. This is huge. Well, the Scripture says everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Literally. Scripture says everyone who continues to believe in him will not at any point be put to shame. Now, are you going to shame yourself by your own sin and failure? Yes, I've done that numerous times. Is the enemy going to come at you like a tick on a dog's back? Y'all ever heard that expression? How many of y'all ever have to pull a tick off a dog's back? Probably not many of y'all. Well, a few of you okay. You get around there, suck that blood out, and you pull him out of there, you have to do that. So that's the way Satan comes up. He comes us like a tick on a dog's back, doesn't he? And getting rid of him, it's, it's painful. We have things that happen. The murder of our daughter 13 years ago, the most painful thing in my entire life. Still deal with it every day. Now, we're going to talk about that as we read Romans eight twenty-eight. but I want us to get into real life. This is what it's saying. Now we come to verse 12, hallelujah, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. Now, this statement here, the word you read, for there is no, you see the word no there? Now when you go back in other languages, anybody here read anything else besides English, Spanish, French, German, a few people, okay, whatever. When you look at other languages, especially like the, the biblical languages as such, word order is huge because of emphasis. This is what it says. For not is there any distinction. Isn't that amazing? We're all on the same plane. As human beings, we set standards. Now, I'm a Mississippi State Bulldog. And I enjoy when Ole Miss gets beat in Tiddlywinks. They're our arch rivals. They got beat by uh, Auburn last night. I was really excited. <laughs> but you know what? They're young men that love Jesus. I played. I had a, teammates of mine in high school with Ole Miss, and those guys love Jesus. Uh, one guy's going to the Ukraine all the time for ministry back there. So we make human distinctions. Am I? Are, do y'all hear what I'm saying now? We make human distinctions, but you understand God makes them. When I see these Antifa people inside my, you know, I'm, I'm, but that's the old oh, Lord. I, I start praying for them immediately because that's what Paul was. Paul was a Jewish Antifa. He was out killing Christians until God reached down, brought him to a place of brokenness. Hallelujah. Brought him to a saving faith. Isn't that amazing? And he became just the opposite. God does that. I hear that all the time about Muslim these Muslim terrorists who come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to keep in mind. Now, Hallelujah, verse thirteen. This is the key verse. For most people who call upon the name of the Lord, perhaps may be saved. Huh? No. For everyone. Who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And both of these mean boom, boom, just like that. That night I called upon Jesus Christ to come into my life. He saved me completely. Now, Brother Ryle said I had about two hours to preach. I'm joking. <laughs> when do I need to get finished here? Tell me. It's eleven eleven. my time. Seriously. About two hours. No, I'm joking. No, it. Okay, let's go back to Romans 8 here because I want to just, I'm going to give you kind of an amplified translation of this. This is the amplified translation. You go back and look at Romans 8 28 in your Bible. And we have come to know and continually realize that for those who continually love God, and who are those who continually love God? the ones whom God first loved and drew to himself by the power of the Holy Spirit, put his word of faith in their mouth and their heart, convicted them, and they made the choice to accept him as Lord and Savior. Isn't that incredible? Hallelujah. For those who continue to love God, he continually works all things together into good. Now, when you look at the 28th there in the verse you have, all things work together for good. I'm not going to get into all this stuff, but let me just say this. As you look at that it, we're in the original language, it may very well be he continually works. And quite frankly, as I take this whole passage into context and the whole of Scripture, that's how I see it. All things work together for good, just automatically. No, no. He, God. The very thing you talked about, the very thing you talked about, Modesto, the very thing you sang about, young man. What's your name, sir? Praise, Praise the Lord. All three. I couldn't believe it. I'm sitting here saying, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe. God is the world who's working all these things together for the good. The death of my daughter, she's with the Lord, but God has used that powerfully in our lives. Use used that in my wife's life as God has given her Opportunities many times of sharing with other people who've lost their child in some way. Ministering them. All right. Far, here we go. God he works, he continually, not sometimes continually works all things together into good for purposes of good, if you will, for the ones who are continually being called for God's. Purpose and plan. The ones who are continued. You see, if you're a child of God, even before the foundation of the world, Ephesians chapter 1, he says he knew you. It's hard for us to comprehend. But he knew us. He drew us to that place until we made that decision to become. He sees everything that's going to happen. He knows it. And from that point until when you accept Jesus, everything in your life, now, this is why this is important. Because we have a lot of things in our lives that are unexpected, don't we? The death of my daughter like that. Would I have ever chosen that? Absolutely not. Do I fully understand it? No. Because here's where Satan comes at you like a tick on a dog's back. Well, if God really loved you, why did that happen? If God really cares about you, why did this go on? If God, am I right? Yeah. He's going to come at you and challenge them. And This is not a matter of if. It's only a question of if and the intensity and how frequently he does that. Okay? And one of the things that can happen through that is self-pity, bitterness, anger, resentment. That's going to eat you up and spit you out. That's poison inside of you. All right? So here's the, here's the thing. I couldn't believe you show me. God is the one doing the work, not us. Oh! That means I need to be surrendered to his lordship on a daily basis. Ladies and gentlemen, let me just say this. I'm an old black-eyed pea and cornbread Southern Baptist preacher. That's what I really am. And so when we talk about real life, that's where we all are, isn't it? That's where we all are. And we go through it in the smallest things. We go through it in big things, okay? That's what happens, isn't it? That's, That's just the real world. And learning to allow God's word to become a part where we start praising him and rejoicing him in the midst of all things. I want you to, I'm not going to go and read it, but I want you to mark these two passages down. Romans 5, 1 through 5. And James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Now, we need to understand as Paul was writing these, well, Paul wrote Romans, James wrote James. But they weren't writing this sitting in a hammock with a cool breeze and drinking lemonade and just saying, well, what can I do? I don't think I'll write this. These people's lives were in danger. Many of them, Paul had been, had uh, rocks thrown at him, left for dead. I mean, we're talking about great, great pain. Now, we're blessed in our country because of the incredible privileges we have. But there are people that want to take us out. Do you understand that? God's calling us to stand firm to the death. Even in the smallest insignificant thing, oh, I can't believe it happened. I recently went through something with the ministry, that's, and I, I've learned here's what I'm going to do is bless those people. Matthew 5, 43 through 48. Bless those who persecute you, say all kinds of things about you. Bless them. Our natural man, oh, I can't believe it. No, you bless them. God will take care of it. Because you see, if you let po- if you let bitterness and anger and resentment come in, it's poison. It's like you drinking a cup of poison. It's going to destroy you and everybody around you. Okay. And not only that, but God never stops working in our lives. Now, we come to verse twenty-nine. Because those. who... Whom he knew from the beginning of time. Go back and read Ephesians 1 about that. He also set them apart for being conformed as the image of his son, or being conformed like the image of his son, being conformed to reflect the very person of Jesus from the beginning so that he now if you'll notice go to verse 29 there it says in order that he might well I am a black eyed and cornbread preacher but God's allowed me to know the biblical languages that word might's really not in there that's that's a translator's uh, subjective analysis literally what this is saying In order that he will continue to be in the he there, it's not us, it's talking about Jesus. Jesus from the foundation being the first one to sacrifice. He, if you will, okay, is the first before all creation among the many brethren who are born again believers in Jesus Christ. So from the foundation of the world, Jesus was set as that example. Isn't that amazing? He is the one who created the world, everything that's in it. Colossians 1, 15 through 16. It's powerful. He is the firstborn. He is the image into which God is making us. Now, there's not a one of us on this earth right now that even come close to that image. But we're moving in that direction. Are you all with me? The breaking process. How many of you guys here played football, high school, college? Anybody? Oh, good. Now, I want to see a show of hands of truth. How many of you liked two-a-days? If you raised your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> Did you know that they've done away with two-a-days now? Yeah, they don't even have it anymore, high school or college. Two-a-days are hellish. And when I played in college, oh, my land's alive. I spent, this more, I spent more time getting in shape for two-a-days and we actually only had two weeks of two-a-days, but it was bad. It was really bad. But I tell people all the time that two-a-days, you have a practice in the morning and afternoon and down down home. I mean, you're talking about the humidity was incredible. But the reason for those two-a-days is so that in the last game, the last quarter, the last half of the last quarter when the game is tied, you're able still to give 150% until the game ends. Isn't that amazing? So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand, as Paul writes in Romans 5, 1 through 5, and as James writes, James writes in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, to rejoice in the trials. Because you feel like it? No. When I start rejoicing in things inside, my, the enemy hears, Oh, you poor thing, that's not fair. You didn't to do that. That's just self-pity. You, understand? you have to recognize that voice. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, turn there with me if you would real quickly. This is huge. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we're going to look at verses 3 through 5 here real quick. Young man, you're doing a great job. What's, your, what's his name? Ethan. Ethan. Give Ethan a hand right now. I mean, really, thank you. Thank you, Ethan. <laughs> You're doing a good, He's got kind of embarrassed by it. But that's a, you're doing a good job, young man, thank you, bringing those things up fast like that. So there we read it, for though we walk in the flesh, for, let me put it there. for though we continually live in this body, we are continually not raging war according and by means of the flesh. He's saying this is the way it should be, but unfortunately it's not. Now, let me just tell you what that uh, phrase there, war, waging war. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you all the Greek pronunciation of it. You tell me what it sounds like in English. Stratuo. What does it sound like? What verb? Come on, guys. Strategize. For even though we are continually living in this body of flesh, we are not... Strategizing according to the flesh. Now, this is a process of growth. When we're young Christians, we don't know to do anything other than that. We don't even realize we're doing it. My mother, and I, my mother, and I, well, my wife, and I. She's not my, we first came out here many years ago, and I, we were at some people's house, and I said, "Mother, what about blah 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 blah?" blah. And this little girl said, "That's his mother." <laughs> Anyway, I don't know how y'all do out here, that's what we call it. Um, But we were listening one time to a guy uh, uh, you know, teaching, and, and we know this person. We said, wow, isn't that amazing? Some of the stuff he was saying is we realized that God needed to do in his life just like in all of our life. We're, we're blind to it. We can't see ourselves at times. All we can see is others until God, hallelujah, by the power of his Holy Spirit exposes our sin to us. And what God exposed to me is my sin. Let's strategize Now in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, powerful, powerful passage. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not, you don't have to turn there, and do not lean to your own understanding. And this is my amplified translation. Continue to trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on, rely upon on put your confidence in, your perverted, skewed, Flawed, misdirected, corrupted, narcissistic reasoning. Wow. Wow. That's huge, isn't it? Now, why is that so huge? Because that's what we typically do, isn't it? We don't even realize it. But then he goes on, verse six, in all of your ways—that in every venue of life. When you're working doing construction, when you going to come finish my screen and my shower, I'm just joking. Man. <laughs> but in all, th- but in the most minute things, am I right, though, Modesto? when your work is a, in, in construction, all that—I mean, stuff gets. Ah, keep it boom. In all your ways. Most English versions say, acknowledge him. Literally, that's an incorrect translation. It should be, in all your ways, know him. Know what God's word has to say. Your precious pastor hit the nail on the unadulterated epicenter this morning. Being in God's word is our guide. Now, let me just say this. I have been around where I've heard people, well, so-and-so says this, and -and so-and-so says that, and -and so-and-so says this, and -and so-and-so says that. 1967, when the Six-Day War, most of you folks here, you guys don't even know about that, but I see some old folks with gray hair and such, we remember that. The 67 War, where Israel regained the Golan Heights, the West Bank, and the Gaza Strip. June 5th through the 10th, 1967, end of my sophomore year. I come back in the fall for my junior year, Everybody and their brother, there was a guy, I'm not going to call his name, very, very big in Campus Crusade at that time. And this is what he was saying. Oh, this is it. This is it. Jesus is going to be coming back in five, ten years at the most. These guys and girls. Now, when I got saved, a Baptist pastor told me, he says, Justin, start studying the Bible as what we're another course because you're at Mississippi State. You're not going to have Bible classes. I started doing that on my own. So if I was taking... I can fall for football, I'll just take 12 hours, actually taking 15. In the spring, I take 15, 18. I was taking really 18 to 21. I did that. That was, and then the other pastor where I met my dear precious wife told me about prayer. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry. Let me say it slowly. I get going too fast. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. I'm going to give you an amplified translation. Don't worry about anything, not most things, anything, but in everything. How much is everything? In everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, even in the trials, let your requests be made known to God. Hallelujah. And who said, who said that about the peace of God this morning? Was that you in the song? Was that you? Yeah. Hallelujah. I couldn't believe that. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will continually guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Isn't that glorious? Hallelujah. What does Satan want to keep you from? Praying. He wants to get you in self-pity, anger, bitterness. That's not fair. Oh, that's poison. So here's what we're simply saying. As you walk by faith, it's painful. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke nine twenty three and twenty four, "Whoever wants to continue to come after me, me and is a follower, every day, all during the day, let him deny himself. When the enemy comes and hits you with your own narcissism, let him take up the cross at that very moment as well, and then you can follow me. Because if I'm not doing that, who am I following?" My own carnal, narcissistic, blind, misdirected self. Ooh. Now going back to Proverbs 3, 6. So in all your ways, know him. The one passage I will give you all for that is Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. That's where Jesus, when he was tempted by Satan, he quoted Rabbi Hillel, Rabbi Shammai. Is that right, Modesto? No, it didn't. <laughs> Who did he quote, Pastor? When 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 Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, did he quote a rabbi or did he quote this? Who did he quote? Hallelujah! I, he, he, he quoted the Word of God. Y'all with me? Now Jesus was fully God, but ladies and gentlemen, He was fully man. But He might be tempted at all points as we are, yet without sin. He went through everything we go through. Are you with me? So Jesus, the man, studied the Word. Oh, that's hard. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's hard. And if you're wanting things to be easy, you're going to be eating up and spit out. Now, you may be a believer, and you may remain a baby believer. Sometime back, I was at a church teaching. They had gone through a lot of stuff, and these people were... Almost worshiping this guy, lifting up this guy. And Paul in Romans chapter, excuse me, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 9 talks about that. He says, He says, Those of you who are doing that, you're like infants. And I'm going to tell you what the word literally is. Mom, Jane didn't let me do it, but it's, you need to hear. You're nothing more to, than a breast sucking baby. So if you're, well, this man says that, and this man says that, Augustine says this, Anselm said this, Uh, Luther said this, Calvin said this, Wesley said that, Chuck Smith said this, Billy Grant, Uh -uh. they are just mere flawed, skewed men as all of us. Are you with me? What God wants you to do is to be founded not on what some man says the Bible says, but what God has made real in your life. That's What's going to sustain you, ladies and gentlemen. And then the last part of Proverbs 3, 6. And he will straighten out your paths. In the Hebrew, I'm going to say it like it means it. And he will cause your paths to be straightened out. It's an emphatic statement. Is Is that good or what? Huh? Come on now. That's powerful, isn't it? Hallelujah. Now let's get back to Romans. I told you all I'd preach through the whole Bible. (laughs) Now, come to verse 30. And those whom he knew from the beginning of time, these he called, oh my lands. Those whom he called, these he also justified. And these whom he justified, these he also glorified. Do you understand it's God's work from beginning to middle to end? Now, he gives us the freedom of choice. That night, the Holy Spirit drugged me to Jesus. And that young man shared with me the Roman road, verse 13. I said, yes, I want to call on his name. Hallelujah, I did. Jesus came into my life transformed me. I failed God so many times it's incredible. but I thank God for Romans 12 I mean excuse me Hebrews chapter 12 verses 4 through 11 about God's disciplining us, his children. And he says in verse 10 he does it so that we might share His holiness, meaning we're corrupt to the core. I'm a blind, corrupt, misdirected, narcissistic individual and that dying to self is an all-day everyday process. Now, verse 24 back in Luke 9, 23 and 24. I'm going to give you an amplified translation. He who tries to hold on to his life and practice but theology, not what I'm sitting on, but I know what you're saying, Lord, but. The very thing you're trying to gain, you're going to lose. Your sense the whole idea of self-worth is losing your self-worth and letting Jesus be seen, not yourself. The other is idolatry, ladies and gentlemen. And God is in the process of breaking us and conforming us to that image. Isn't that amazing? And verse 11 says, no discipline for the moment is, is pleasant. And the word that's used there is an athletic term. If any of you guys are going through two a days, you know that's not pleasant. Okay. We recently, back in August, had a uh, black belt test for uh, seven first degree and one young man gets his third degree. And so I'm an old man, but I still get in there and try to do that stuff. And so this young man that had the third degree, I know him. I've known him since he was a little bitty. I went after him like a tick on a dog's back. Why? Because he was going for his third degree. <laughs> and I made it as hard as I could. And later he, came, he comes up and hugs me and says, thank you so much. But why do we do that? Why in, in training people for self-defense? Now, Mama, do you have your purse there? You don't want to do anything, okay. Do you have your purse? Yeah. Oh, could you come up here real quick? I just want to use this as an example. <laughs> now, what is your name, sweetheart? Stephanie. Ms. Stephanie, just now. God bless you. Come on over here. So Stephanie's got her purse there. And y'all come to me and you say, Justin, I want no self-defense, okay? Stephanie, yeah. when I grab that purse, I just want you to say, boo! Oh, I'm sorry, I'll leave it alone, I'll leave it alone. (laughs) Is that going to happen? So I'm going to grab her purse, go ahead and say boo. Boo! Ah! That's what's going to happen. Thank you, sweetheart. (laughs) So what I'm going to have to do is teach her what it really means in self-defense. Am I right? Am I right, dad, husband? I'm going to have to teach her real self-defense. That's false self-defense. But that would be very easy, wouldn't it? All I have to do is say, boo, you won't have to work, sweat, do anything, right? <laughs> but the end result is you think you've got it together and you don't have anything together. Are you with me? And when Satan comes at you, again, like a tick on a dog's back, he's going to eat you up and spit you out. Now, he's, you're his, you're God's for eternity. Are you with me? But he will try to do everything he can to misdirect you. What I'm simply saying here, ladies and gentlemen, at the time that we spend in the word and prayer, is going to be demanding. It's 72 and three quarters. been a Christian for what, 54 years and 33 days, 32 days, whatever. Every day when I start to pray, I would say every day. I'd say the mass majority. I'd, get, I'd start praying. Oh, you don't have time to pray. you got to do this. you got to do that. You don't have time to pray. No, I don't have time not to pray. It's like Brother Wiles getting up on Sunday mornings. That's huge. Let me just tell you, and we all have different ways. I've been doing this now for almost, gosh, I'd say close to 25 years. This is how I read my Bible. And Genesis 1 through Psalm 117, 525 chapters. Psalm 118 through Revelation 22, 524 chapters. Now, I like to do things in symmetry, very symmetrical the way I do stuff. So what I do, I start off in Genesis, and I read Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and then I read Psalm 118, and now all the the, the verses are in it. So I've got 523 and the other 523. This is the way I read. I've been doing that for 25 years. It has blessed me tremendously. Let me tell you why. Because when I get into the prophets, the major prophets, by that time I'm in the New Testament. So I'm reading something here, and I say, oh, my. Lands alive. That's how I do it. That's not the way. I mean, that's just the way I do it. You do have your But what I almost say to you is this. Am I right, Pastor? You need to be consistent. Am I correct in this? Absolutely. You need to be consistent. If you came up here and looked at my hands, you would notice that on my right hand, this knuckle looks real different from this one. It's because of learning how to break bricks and boards. Now, Brother Raul asked me, did that hurt? unequivocally as you learn to do that it's painful but what you're learning is that if you ever have to use that in a self-defense you're going to walk away and the other piece is going to be carried away i'm not for violence please understand me but i'm just saying that's the reality if we're here right now and uh, worshiping freely why why do we have that freedom because our forefathers killed the people that wanted to come and kill us and put us in slavery and bodies. It's still happening today. Are you with me? So I'm, talking about, I'm not talking about going out in vengeance, I'm talking about in self defense. Right. I'd like for us all to just bow our heads here for just a moment. I do not know you all here, Brother Ryle does. There may be those of you here this morning who have never invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be your Lord and Savior. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, as we read Romans 10, verse 13 says, for whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved at that moment. If you're here this morning and you have never done that, you have no sense of assurance if you were to die walking out of this building where you'd spend eternity, I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner. I know that I have failed you. But I'm asking you now, O Lord, to forgive me of all my sin to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior and to cleanse me from all of my sin. And I thank you now, Lord Jesus, as I have called upon your name to save me. You have saved me. You have come into my life. And you have cleansed me. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're not done. Bow our heads again. If you're here as a believer this morning, and you know Jesus, but you have been compromising your life. You see, God works all things together, even Pastor Ralph, forgetting, and he invited me to come preach this morning. Here I am, and, and what I was going to preach, I, didn't, I couldn't believe what, what he said. What Nathan, right? Ray. right? I'm sorry, Ray. What Ray said, and what been done, fit fitted in exactly. Isn't that amazing? Real life. So I wanted every head bowed, every eye closed. You're here, a believer. You're a believer this morning, but you've been struggling with some issues in your life primarily you've been struggling whether or not you're going to surrender every day for Jesus to be lord of your life. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for saving me, for forgiving me, and for cleansing me. But I ask now, O oh Lord, that you bring your brokenness in my life. And calls me, O oh Lord, to choose to surrender to your Lord.